Welcome this week to the kitchen table. Oh, I hope you'll sit with me for the next few weeks. We are starting a series called Lies of Motherhood. And I'm really, really excited about this because not only are we going to dive into how do we fight the battle of our mind when the enemy wants to come against us with certain lies, when culture wants to imprint on us those same lies, we are going to get really discerning and being able to spot these lies as they come at us. And some of them are tricky. Some of them come at us in ways that, you know, it takes me a while to see that lie is, oh my goodness, that's the lie. So I'm excited to dive into each one of these, mainly because I'm really excited for us to dive into the truth that shatters those lies. And help you create a foundation on which to stand where you can be confident. You can be assured that the victory has been won and you can speak truth to your friends. Y'all, we talk here about being arm lifters, meaning not only are we walking and we, and not only are we standing on a battlefield, but we are standing there with our fellow believers And we are called to lift their arms up when they are weary and when they are tired. And so many of us, and I include me in it, there are many days where I am curled up in the fetal position because the lies of the enemy are raining down on me and I am believing untruths. And I need other warriors to come alongside of me, put their, you know, put their shoulders under my arms, hoist me up. And say, no, girlfriend, we are standing, we are applying truth, and we are walking this out. And what I'm excited about for this series is we're going to learn how to apply truth. And then secondly, we are going to talk about it. I have a lot of really dear friends who have decided, who have, a lot of them I'm kind of forcing to do this with me. (laughs) They're not, none of these are like podcasting people. Um, and, um, I'm excited because I believe that talking to other moms takes the fangs out of the enemy's bite. You know, it just does. It makes us begin to understand we're not the only one struggling with something. And then we have our friends, our arm lifting warrior friends who can walk alongside of us and we hear their words And we can hear the funny stories or the painful stories. You're going to hear both over the next um, few weeks. But you will hear their victories. And you see testimony of what Jesus has done in our lives. The reason we give testimony is because it encourages the other believers. It is so vital that we do that. It assures us of our own faith. And it speaks into someone else's heart and goes, me too. I can walk this way, or I want to walk this way, or I will stand in agreement with you. So I am super, super excited. I feel like this is going to be a really powerful way to sequence these. And we are going to be tackling seven lies. I will um, take a lie a week kind of thing and teach it. And then it will be accompanied with the table talk with one of my girlfriends. So... What are the lies, right? 
Well, we, we would like to, everybody wants to know that. Um, and granted, there are lots of lies that we hear. So these that I have chosen, I have chosen them because either they're super strong in my own walk, or I have seen them time and time again in my friends or women I've counseled in their lives. So the, and honestly, I actually did, and maybe you got it. Maybe you participated at one point. I have actually run two different polls in a lot of my different follower groups. And it's, it's amazingly interesting to me that these are the lies that always win in the polls. So without further ado, here are the seven that we are going to be tackling. The first lie that you may hear is that you need to have a balanced life. You need to get everything in balance and then you'll be happy. The second lie that you often will hear is that you're the only one who struggles with this. Nobody else will understand it. You're alone in this. The third lie that you might hear, and again, we don't all hear all these. The third lie is the lie that says, I need to control all of what's going on in my home. I need to control what's going on with my kids. I need to manage it. I need to rein it in. I'm the one in charge. The fourth lie. My life will never be the same as it was before I had kids or before I had this kid. Or, so it kind of sounds like that, or it can sound like, I don't like my life right now. I'm discontent in my life right now. The fifth lie says, I can royally mess this up. And most of the time we hear it, it will be, I think I can mess my kid up. This lie can be accompanied with a secondary and a more painful lie, especially as your kids get older, which is I have messed my kids up and they're beyond repair. I have damaged them and it's done, like it's beyond hope. The sixth lie is the lie that says, I need to perform well. I need to look good. I need to compare well to others and those around me. And the final lie that we're going to be tackling is the lie that says, this mothering thing should be easy and natural. Now you may have heard a lie that just lasered right through your heart right there. And you're like, Oh, I hear that lie. Honestly, you may not have heard a lie. And I didn't give any description of these. I didn't paint you any pictures of how they look in real life yet. I'm going to leave that to those weeks and to the stories that these mamas will share. And so I may not have put it in words that you hear, but I want you to understand something. I have interviewed and asked and polled over a thousand women now. And these are the lies that women believe. So if these aren't your lies, they might be your sister's lie, your mom's lie, your best friend's lie. And so I'm going to encourage you, if it is not even because you think you'll get anything out of it, will you stay and listen? Because I believe that you will, first of all, be equipped with a mindset shift that can combat the lies that you do hear. 
And secondly, that you will be able to lift the arms of another because you can speak out words of life. And that's really what this is about. This walking that we walk in this world right now, it is to speak Christ to others. So I'm excited about this series. So really quickly for today, as just kind of the introduction, this is what we're doing. I want our mindset, our headspace to all be the same. I want us all on the same page. So the first thing we're going to talk about is why is this important? We're going to start this why is it important discussion centered down in Matthew 7. This is the passage where Jesus has been giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he comes to the place in chapter 7, verse 24, where he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And y'all, my heartbeat is that we will become women who found our very concept of who we are, our light, our anchor. Let me try that again. My desire is for you and for me to become women who are anchored so tightly into the word of the words of Jesus, into the word of God. That no matter what comes against us, we stand firm and we do not fall. But the truth is, and I would imagine that anyone listening either has experienced it for themselves, like I have, or have had dear friends who have walked through seasons where their mind became a place that they were beginning to fall apart, where their faith became a place where they were struggling, where their doubts overwhelmed their trust, where they wondered, where they worried, and where they were deeply discouraged or anxious. And so this is where we need to stand and begin to go, okay, why would Jesus say to us, we need to have a foundation. Well, I have a funny story. Um, we um, experienced a home that was not tied to its um, it, it, its foundation was not. We need to have a foundation. That is based solely on the gospel. So that as we grow up in him, our lives are a structure well built with straight lines, with walls that are plumb, meaning that they, they don't go crooked and they don't, um, 
well, they're, they're plumb. You know, they are straight. Windows that are aligned. You know, because if your foundation is at all sketchy, everything that comes off of the foundation is askew, isn't it? This became abundantly clear to us one year. We had purchased a brand new home that was not connected to a good foundation. And we had to hire a very expensive company to come in and rebuild the entire foundation of our home while we were living in it. Can you imagine? Oh my goodness, it was so loud. It was, I felt like it would never end and it was so expensive. It was costly. But if we had not fixed it, what we were seeing happening throughout the house was only going to get worse. We were going to have more um, problems with our floors, more windows that wouldn't open or close smoothly, doors askew, cracks in drywall, because it was a mess at the foundation. And y'all, when our foundation, as children of God, as daughters of the Most High King, if our identity is not anchored solely in the gospel as a strong foundation, we will not relate to the world well. You see, if, if you and I have created an identity that includes our performance or includes the way other people see us or includes... Um, pleasing everyone around us or any number of things other than pleasing God and understanding how much he loves us and walking with him and choosing him. We will end up with messed up windows, messed up doors, messed up walls. We just will. We'll struggle with parenting. We'll struggle in our marriage. We'll have trouble in friendships our job sometimes will be hard because our, our self-worth is difficult for us to keep stabilized. And so we need to ground ourselves in the truth of what God says. So that's what we're going to do. And the way we do that is there's another little word picture or another little concept that I want us to be really keyed into and in saying this is what we're going to be doing for the next few months which is we are going to spend a lot of time in the truth. In order to combat lies, you have to spend the time in the truth. We're not going to spend tons of time unpacking the lie. We're not going to talk about every way the lie might show up. We are going to spend a little bit of time saying this is the lie, and then we're going to spend the bulk of the time in the truth, in the word of God, because just like if I was, um, an expert in art, the way I become an expert in art where I can spot a fit, a forgery from the real thing is I have spent so much time with the real thing. I think I've heard, um, from a secret service agent that the way that they know a forgery in terms of money, because the Secret Service handles money and counterfeit money. The way that they know that is not because they've studied every way it could possibly be counterfeited, 
but because they have studied the original, they know the way it feels between their fingers. They know how much it, how heavy or light or like they know the real thing. So for us, we need to know the real gospel truths and we need to be anchored in them. And then we're able to, cause then that false lie, that, that, um, just a shade off of the truth statement, that whisper, that's just a little bit doubtful. We can see it. Our discernment grows as we anchor in the truth. So that's going to be our journey in the lies. We have to do the journey this way. So let's get started. We're going to look at what happened in the garden of Eden, because what Our enemy, Satan, has been doing from the beginning of time is what he is still doing with us today. We all know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden being tempted by the serpent. And the serpent was crafty, and he asked certain questions. And we're going to look at these questions and understand that he is still asking us these questions today. The first question that um, the serpent asked in the garden is, he said, Did God actually say... And we can see this. We find this in Genesis 3, 1. The softened questioning of what God really meant. Like, what did did God really mean, Adam, when he told you you could not eat from this one specific tree? His primary web of deceit was questioning, well, did God really say that? Does he really expect the truth of what he said to be truth? And culturally, we see this lie at work everywhere. Um... We are seeing a shifting of truth to becoming what we believe versus what is um, truth external to our belief systems. And what we see in scriptures, immediately we see that the heart of both Adam and Eve began to shift, right? They begin to doubt this relationship that everything else centered upon in the garden, which was God. And so for you and for me, oftentimes, oftentimes I can easily question the the meaning behind God's words. Does God really mean what he says? Does he really mean that there's enough grace for me, even though I am not a perfect mom, even though I am really messing this up or really struggling here, or I really hate this part of this? Does God's love and grace extend to me there? You know, does, does God really say he'll always be with me? He'll always be with me? Does, that, does God really mean that? Did God really say I am wholly loved? Is God's love really steadfast for me? See, these are all gospel truths that the enemy wants nothing more than for you to just have a little shadow of doubt about. It's all he needs. It's all he needed in the garden. It's all he needs with you and with me. So all of who God is, his promises, his blessings, they all come under attack with this lie. So then the serpent continued with another one, right? There was another question. So the first question is, did God actually say that? And then the second one was, you mean you can't eat of any tree in the garden? So there's this questioning, this doubting. Why would God, a good God, deny you fruit? It's another primary lie he uses. The basis of this is the implication that God is stingy, that he withholds things from us, that he is not for our good, and that he will fail to come alongside of us. And this this lie played out in the garden beautifully, right? 
they begin to think, oh my goodness, I mean, we're missing out. God is not for our good. We need to take this into our own hands. We need to control it. We, If God is not who he says he is, if he fails, then he is an untrustworthy God. So we need to be trustworthy. We need to be the one in control. We need, we're alone. Oftentimes that lie, the fact that you're the only one and nobody cares about you and nobody sees you, it, it is kind of wrapped up in this questioning. Is God listening? Does he care? Does he know about my worries and my fears about raising my kids? Or do I need to figure all this out on my own? So the enemy wants you and me to believe that God is removed, that he's uninterested in a relationship with us. And so now the third lie that the enemy brought into the garden, and he is still bringing for you and for me, is should he be your God? So this is the utmost attack against Adam and Eve in the garden. In other words, the very essence, because what the serpent was saying is that if you will eat of this fruit from this one tree, which Adam and Eve knew from God, if they ate from it, they would die. Satan said, you, you'll not surely die, but you will be like God, knowing right from wrong, knowing good and evil. And so what he does with this attack against Adam and Eve, which he still does with you and with me, is he says, you can be God. You can understand and you can rule your life and you can handle it. So the worthiness of God, the attributes of who God is, begin to be attacked. So as a woman and as a mom, this third lie, in all honesty, traps me the most. I want to be independent. I want to be I want to be um, able to handle things. I want to keep everything in balance and and keep all the balls juggling. And I want to succeed and I want to do it all. I want to do it all well. I don't want my kids to fail, right? It's all these spaces that indicate, therefore, I must be the source. It is up to me. And this deceit is capitalizing on my bent. So I have a bent for performance. You will hear me say that over and over in this podcast. Um, But worshiping myself, because that's what this is, right? I'm the one who's going to handle it. I'm the one who's going to control it. It's up to me. Is a worship of myself. But it can look like two different extremes. Honestly, depending on the, maybe sometimes the time of the month, sometimes the year, the season of life I'm in, how tired I am, it can look one of two ways. It can look like I need to be more, so I need to be more successful, I need to be more competent, more self-reliant, more focused on myself, and so I'm trying to figure out how to succeed, and I'm so I'm positioning myself constantly to, for more success in, in all the different places that I handle things. But the flip side will be that I will focus on my inadequacies, all the places that I'm failing. It's still the same worship because my focus is not on God, sovereign, holy, 
powerful in control God who loves me steadfastly and is working and moving in my life. See, the focus is on me. So it is the belief that I'm not enough, that I cannot change, that I'm always failing, that I'm, I'm not going to do well. These kids are going to be messed up, maybe even forever. <laughs> and it's all about me. And if you're a thought life and if what is battering at your heart pushes back to being about you, I'm going to encourage you to begin to understand there are lies under there that you are believing. And Jesus came to set you free. He came to grow you in strength in the fullness of who he is so that you have wisdom and discernment to be able to understand those lies when they come just wanting to slay you. When they come wanting to just shoot their arrows and pierce your heart in a moment where maybe things aren't going great. But there is a way to handle the not great that does not include a worship of yourself. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple few weeks. The heart of sin is self-assertion. Y'all, it just is. It's a desire to be independent of God. And a lot of us wouldn't say we want to be independent of God, but our actions say that we do. And I think that is simply because it gets fuzzy. And I'm not saying this to condemn you. It gets fuzzy when we, we hear theology And we're like, I believe it fully. But then when that tries to intersect with our lives, it gets really fuzzy and confusing and hard. And that's what we need to work out so that we can have our lives fully intersected by the gospel cleanly and clearly. And we know who we are. We know whose we are. We know how to stand up. We know how to stand in truth in the word. And we are confident. So this first lie that we're tackling is just the overarching lie of balance. That our lives should look balanced and they should look um, easily maintained. That we should not be frantic and running around. That in all truthfulness and, and I, you know, that we should be able to handle all the different pieces perfectly. And that lie is simply not true. We're going to be talking next week to um, a mama and a friend of mine who is very wise when it comes to balance. And I can't wait for you to hear Sandra's heart and the wisdom that she has taught me over the years and what I know she'll speak into you. But for today, what I want you to understand is we're going to be looking at balance because this world is telling you and telling me that we should be able to do it all, keep everything in balance. And if we are imbalanced, if things are, we're doing more of one than another or something, we're missing out on something or we are falling behind in some place that we should be um, concerned and we should be seeking 
to put everything back in balance. And Jesus wasn't um, balanced. But I want to introduce an idea that we're going to look at next week with Sandra Stanley, which is that our lives should look less like balance and more like surrender. Where instead of hearing the condemnation of the enemy that says you are like running crazy and burning too many candles or you need to be adding this, this, and this back to your plate because you've let them fall off and you're falling behind or you're not going to be as successful as or your kids need blank. And instead understanding that God issues an invitation for you to have an ongoing conversation with him. And having the posture of surrender that mimics what Jesus did on this earth. You see, when you look at how Jesus walked with his disciples, he was absolutely surrendered to what God's plan was for his time. I'm sure he felt, and the disciples probably would testify, there are many days where they felt out of balance. If you remember, like there were times where they were um, planning to go away and get rest. And instead they had to invest in the people who are surrounding them. And, you know, um, remember, I mean, when he ministers to the Samaritan woman at the well, I mean, he physically is exhausted, but so his, his physicality, he was out of balance. We can argue, but he was surrendered to the will of the father and listening and having conversation with him and understanding that this was his purpose. And we see Jesus pursuing and listening and saying, and then teaching into us, teaching into his disciples, like, this is what you're to do. He says in John, I think it's 14, 24, he says, um, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. And, you know, there, we see him pursuing God, getting away, moving outside of the zone, trying to get some rest, trying to pull himself away in order to hear and have conversations. So for us next week, we're going to talk with Sandra Stanley, and we're going to be talking about balance. And we're going to be looking at it from the perspective, not only of us who are kind of in it, and we're all just trying to stay balanced, you know, trying to stay balanced. It's such a slang or a code word right now. Everybody's using that language. And um, I just want you to understand, I don't think it's about balance. I think we're called to mimic Jesus Christ. And he was surrendered. And he was in communication with the Father. And he was waiting on the Lord for what he would have him do. So I am looking forward to this series. I hope that you are looking forward to this series. I think for so many of us, we can begin to have a conversation that looks at what it means to walk in freedom, to be confident because we know the truth and we know wisdom and we have discernment. So returning to Matthew 7, we want to ensure that our foundation is securely placed on Christ alone. And we want a foundation locked into 
his word, his gospel, his truth, what he says about us. Because a foundation, what does a foundation do? Well, I mean, one of the first things that we know a foundation does is, I mean, its job is to maintain a strong load-bearing capacity, right? It's supposed to be able to bear the load of everything put on top of it. That's what understanding who you are in Christ does. And then another thing that the foundation does is it does not allow a seepage. It doesn't let like moisture and um, flood, like it doesn't let water and those kinds of things seep in. And y'all, we, we have a culture where everything is seeping in and we need to be discerning. And then the last thing, what does a foundation do? The last thing that I can understand that a foundation does when I've been talking to builders is a foundation it resists the external forces coming against the structure. And it is absolutely a requirement for the building to remain standing. And this goes to the scripture picture that Jesus says. He says, build your house on the rock on the firm ground do not put it on sand and we need to anchor into the bedrock of God's word and stand there so I'm looking forward to this series um, as always oh I I have done something fun it is on the website and on my if you just go to bethanykimsey.com you will find it it's on the front page it is on a couple of different blog posts. It is a little box where you can record a question or something that happened to you or um, even a funny story, whatever you want to record and send it to me. And the, and the reason I'm doing this is I was trying to find a way to capture all the notes that I get or the questions that I get. And I love the idea of playing you talking and asking the question and then me answering it a little bit at the end of podcasts. I just think it would be really fun. One of my friends said this would be like an amazing, fun way to do it. And I love the idea. So I'm going to try and do it. It does not have to be at all about what we're talking about. I mean, it could be the most random thing like you will never believe what my child did at, at the Walmart and what should I have done? I, I mean, I don't care. I don't, I don't even know what, I don't even know what it would be. But, um, please use that and ask those, and you can say in the recording, do not use my voice. So if you do not want your voice on it, I will not use your voice. I will not. I will just say, Hey, so, and I won't even use your name. Hey, somebody asked me this question, blah, 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 blah. But if you don't mind and you, you know, I would use your voice cause I think it'll be fun. So anyway, I would love it. It is in the latest newsletter. If you are not a newsletter subscriber, y'all, I am having so much fun with those newsletters lately. I have been sending out some audio recordings in them of just little random, um, this, well, I sent it this last week. I have another one planned for next week of this is what makes my week a little easier. I would love for you to get that if you want it. It also has a bunch of other free things. Usually I'll send through there and, um, it's an easy link to the podcast through the newsletter. It's usually, and usually there's something else that somebody else is doing out in the world that I just think is amazing. 
or neat or whatever. So I would love for you to go grab it. You can do it by going to my website and being a homepage subscriber. You can do it by just sending me a DM with your email saying, hook me up. I'm, I want it. However you want to do it, feel free. Um, but in the newsletter, I also shared about how to put a question into the podcast. So I'm really excited about that and can't wait to see how God uses it. All right. Have an amazing week. Understand that who you are in Jesus Christ is the foundation for every space you walk in. It is to his delight that we trust in him more than anyone else. It is for his glory that we live for him. And I am praying for you and I'm excited to see how God begins to set you free just as he is working on setting me free from all the lies I hear and all the things that I struggle with.